Hello, and welcome to Thank You for Toilet Paper, a history of the little things, a podcast where we talk about a few things to be grateful for and the history and stories behind them. I'm your host, Elizabeth Miller. Thank you so much for joining me today. Let's get going. First off, I don't really want to apologize for my voice, but I will just inform you that I have a cold, which honestly, to my ears, makes my voice sound a lot more like it does in my head. Like, my voice is much lower in my head than what y'all hear. So, I don't mind it, because I just feel like I'm finally sounding right. So, basically, welcome to Inside My Head. This is what I sound like most of the time, or at least it's closer. So, hopefully you can bear with me, and I will try to enunciate, and we'll make it through this. This week's episode was suggested by a friend, and I am very excited to learn more about her topic and also very grateful that she suggests topics because, like, I do run out of things sometimes. (laughs) So anybody want to send ideas, let's talk about it. But for now, let's get ready to learn about one of her warm, fuzzy memories, puzzles. Growing up, my grandmother always had a puzzle on the table. I don't know how many puzzles she's put together in her life, either in her bedroom or in the living room, but she always had some sort of puzzle on a folding table that would change every few months. She even framed a few of the ones that she finished, which is kind of fun. As a child, I did not have the patience to make my way through a puzzle. And quite frankly, as an adult, I still don't have much patience for them. But there is something meditative and comforting about taking the time to put shapes together to make a beautiful picture. And the metaphor of fitting the confusing, irregular pieces of life together to make a beautiful picture and ultimately find a beautiful life that we couldn't see during the journey, well, that's a metaphor that I can always get behind. It's certainly one that I've experienced, and when the pieces have come together and I've seen a part of the picture, there are few moments so awe-inspiring as the aha of, oh, that's why I went that way. It's always a great moment. So for all the quiet nights, evenings with friends, school activities to calm students to reinforce the idea of consistent work leading to something almost magical, and for all of the comforting moments with puzzles that hopefully you've experienced or your friends and loved ones have, let's take some time for a little bit of gratitude for puzzles. First off, when we talk about puzzles, there are a wide variety of puzzles, actually. There are the puzzles that we may first think of, like jigsaw puzzles, but puzzles of some sort or another have been around for much longer than the jigsaw. If we start to include things like mazes or even the puzzle mugs that we mentioned in the mug episodes, then we'll find that they have been around and a part of our lives entertaining and confuddling, confuddling, confusing us (laughs) for centuries. Labyrinth drawings, for example, are also a type of puzzle that were popular among the ancient Greeks and Egyptians since about 2300 BCE. For those versed in Greek mythology, you may be familiar with the tale of King Minos and his labyrinth with the Minotaur. And for those of you familiar with David Bowie, you may also be well aware that some labyrinths house minotaurs while others house muppets. Beyond myth and muppet, however, labyrinths also held a spiritual and religious meaning in different ancient cultures. In 2250 BCE, we find our first example of a tactile puzzle, beyond just drawn labyrinths. This first example was found in the Indus Valley and Mohenjo-Daro. This puzzle is similar to another famous puzzle called Pigs in Clover that puzzle. I didn't know that that's what it was called, but the Pigs and Clover puzzle is the game in which you try and get a marble through a maze, like on a disc or something. I don't know. I used to play that as a kid. We have some like Halloween decorations that are kind of similar. Actually, not at all similar. You're supposed to like land them in holes. That was completely false, but I tried. (laughs) In 1000 BCE, we find bottom-filled puzzles in Cyprus and also China later in about 900 AD. 
This is a fun and surprising trick in which a vessel is filled with a hole from the bottom and then turned over to pour out a spout. But when it's turned over, the water doesn't come back out the bottom again. Very cool. There's another cup with kind of a similar idea called the fairness cup. With this cup, it will hold a little bit of water, but once it's filled to the top, all of the water will drain out the bottom. We next begin to see dissection puzzles, which are tiling puzzles that can be arranged to make two or more specific shapes. In 395 AD, we see the Stamatian puzzle, also called the Loculus of Archimedes. It is similar to the Tangram puzzle. The Stamatian puzzle has 563 different ways to make the desired shapes. This was discovered by Bill Cutler in 2003. Between 100 and 400 AD, trick locks were also popular in Rome. Combination locks, however, were first recorded in 1206 by Al-Jazari, a Muslim engineer, in his book, The Book of Knowledge and Mechanical Devices. By 1400 AD, we have reached puzzle jugs, once again, those puzzle mugs that I definitely spilled all over myself with. Good times. Disentanglement puzzles have been referenced in China dating back to the Song Dynasty. The Chinese ring puzzle, also a disentanglement puzzle, by Geronimo Cardin was made in 1500. Another disentanglement puzzle shows up in Germany in 1636. It is called Solomon's Seal Puzzle. Burr puzzles came onto the scene in 1698 and were incredibly popular, although we don't really know where they came from. They were just there. <laughs> and whoever did it knew very quietly that they were popular must have just been like smiling to themselves at home doing a puzzle with a mug that didn't spill on them, unless they knew how to use a puzzle mug. It's fine. I just imagine puzzles were a large part of this person's life. In 1699, the Spanish knife puzzle and other knife puzzles also became very popular. So now we get to jigsaw puzzles. And if we're talking about the first jigsaw puzzle ever made, the very first picture that came together on a jigsaw puzzle was a map. The first jigsaw puzzle was made by John Spilsbury in 1762. He was a cartographer and attached one of his maps to wood and cut out around the different countries. He then gave this puzzle to the kids at a local school to help them learn about countries and geography. Spilsbury called these dissected maps. After this, these jigsaw puzzles took off in popularity, although at this point they weren't called jigsaw puzzles, but they were instead called dissected puzzles. From the initial map image, other images featuring nature and religious themes began to fill puzzle pieces. The nickname Jigsaw became attached to the Jigsaw puzzle by about the 1880s. However, it was not because jigsaws were used on the puzzles. That's kind of a misnomer. In the 1880s, we had the invention of the fret saw, and it was the fret saw that was used to cut the puzzle pieces. Initially, these jigsaw puzzles were hand-carved from wood, but later in the 1800s, cardboard puzzles began to come onto the scene, although they were initially considered to be a lower-class variation of the puzzle. During the Great Depression, however, puzzles became incredibly popular. They were entertaining, affordable, and reusable. Around this time, the puzzles also became more complex, which began to appeal to adults. Puzzles also entered the world of advertising and marketing, as businesses would put the image of their product on the puzzle and would give the puzzles away as part of their promotion. During the recent COVID-19 pandemic, there was a huge surge in sales of puzzles as well, comparable to the surge in sales during the Great Depression. Many of us needed something to do while we were quarantined at home, and puzzles offered the same affordability and reusability that our ancestors enjoyed during their own struggles during the Depression. Kind of cool to think that puzzles are something of a link between past and present struggles, something that both our ancestors and we ourselves have found comfort and entertainment in. It's kind of like a linking puzzle. I love it. It's cool. 
During World War II, the sales for wooden puzzles fell. This was due in part to increased prices, and because of better wages and improved manufacturing processes, this made for better paperboard puzzles. They kind of grew in their popularity. These days, most puzzles are made from paperboard. The artwork displayed on the puzzle is printed onto the paperboard, and then the puzzle is pressed with steel blades called a puzzle die. The puzzle die is pressed through the board until it cuts the pieces. The sharp knife pieces on the puzzle die are also set with a compressible material that are used to expand and push out the cut pieces once it's done. So think of something kind of like foam. That's kind of what they put on there. This process requires an enormous amount of pressure. For example, a 1,000-piece puzzle needs 700 tons of pressure to cut. In the 1930s, a huge and expensive hydraulic press was needed to create these jigsaws, meaning that only large corporations could afford these presses. However, with the discovery of the roller press method, the production cost of puzzles has eased, and it's decreased. It's easier to make them now. Laser cutting puzzle pieces has also made it possible to have a wider variety of puzzle shapes and pieces, allowing for more customization, including using acrylic material for puzzle pieces. Also, now you can get puzzles that are like not just a rectangle or, you know, a circle, but you can get them where they turn into a shape of their own as well, kind of adding an extra dimension to the art. Really fun. Tower Press was the world's largest puzzle producer in the 1960s until Waddington's acquired it in 1969. When it comes to making puzzles, there are puzzles for children and adults that have variety in puzzle piece numbers and sizes. There are even family puzzles that have a variety of sizes and shapes, allowing the members of the family, old (coughs) or uh, mature and young, to participate. So usually you'll have like bigger pieces and maybe that's in the middle and then the smaller pieces that are more for the adults kind of branching out of there. The most expensive puzzle in the world was sold in a charity auction for the Golden Retriever Foundation in 2005 for 27,000 US dollars. There are also 3D puzzles that you have to solve in the proper order in order for it to be solved correctly. Not quite a 3D puzzle, but there are also puzzle boxes that one can solve. The most impressive of which of these come from Japan. Japan has a very long and rich history of producing beautiful puzzle boxes that create different patterns as you're solving the piece, uh, using the different hues of the wood and patterns that have been painted on the box as well. Really, really gorgeous. A friend of mine used a puzzle box to propose with the ring inside. Once it was solved, like she could open and see the ring. Uh, Personally, I would not have the patience for that, but I think it's a brilliant idea and it worked well for him, so that turned out really well. Among different approaches to puzzles, there's also sometimes some back and forth between puzzle makers and puzzlers. Yu Asaka designed a puzzle called Puzzle 29. This puzzle had five corner pieces instead of the usual four. So like, I don't even know where the fifth one went, but like, you know, there are four corners to a rectangle and then there's like this this fifth piece. I would have been bamboozled. This puzzle was awarded the jury honorable mention of the 2018 puzzle design competition. Many puzzlers were able to solve the puzzle very quickly and easily, however, which seems to have been frustrating as Yuasaka came back with puzzle 19, which was made entirely of corner pieces. I would not have even touched that one, (laughs) but props. One of the largest commercially available puzzles in the world was made in 2020 by Graphica Company and is called Travel by Art. It has 54,000 pieces and is roughly 17.65 square meters. That's about 864 by 204 centimeters or 28 by 6.6 feet. When it comes to the Guinness Book of World Records, however, the world's largest puzzle comes in at 5,428.8 square meters or 58,435 square feet. 
It took 777 people to assemble it in 2002 in the former Kai Tak Airport in Hong Kong. If we're talking about the largest number of puzzle pieces, that Guinness World Record is held by a puzzle with 551,232 pieces. Although there is some controversy around this one as well, as the pieces were divided into groups that had about 3,000 pieces in it each, like a little bit over that, and then reassembled together to create the larger puzzle. This puzzle was put together by the university students from the University of Economics in Ho Chi Minh City in 2011 at the Phu Tho Indoor Stadium in Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam. Doing puzzles has also proven to have some health benefits. It can help prevent Alzheimer's, according to the Alzheimer's Society of Canada. Beyond jigsaw puzzles, we have continued to create more and more puzzles as a worldwide effort to entertain, to confuse, to delight, to teach, to inspire, and to confound. There are many more puzzles that we didn't get the chance to go over in this episode, but they are definitely worth your time. From Rubik's Cubes to puzzle boxes and more, I am grateful for the delight, the triumph, the frustration, the comfort, and the beauty of puzzles. That's it for this week. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you have a marvelous day. And I hope you enjoyed hearing what I sound like in my head. Cheers. Take care.